Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Beauty Pop Podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Jen. And today we have a very, very special guest. I've been so excited to have Dr. Jim Del Rosso on with us. He is a fabulous dermatologist. He's based in Las Vegas and originally from New York, because, you know, I have to give a shout out to the East Coasters always, uh, even though he migrated West, which is kind of my dream as well. Jen, you know, as an L.A. girl, <laughs> I'm like this close. <laughs> come vi- You come visit. Absolutely. But, yeah, you got you got to be careful, Victoria, because these people do things like put pineapple on pizza and stuff <laughs> like that. It's just like I know. You got yeah, that is true. That is true. But but Dr. Jim, that's why you're there to set them straight. And I keep and I keep telling them, what do you mean oat milk, almond milk, soy milk? We're having a lot of deja. Jen and I actually used to work with a uh, a dairy farmer, and that's what he always used to say as well. So you just gave us major vibes. Yeah, I don't I don't I I don't I just can't like what's this drink kombucha? It looks like bile. Oh, kombucha. You know, my granddaughter. Yeah, it's like it's what is good. This Have stuff? you ever had it? I can't do it. Oh. Can't do it. It is it, it has a pungent sort of flavor, but it is supposed to be really healthy for gut health and all that. It's I actually oh, don't come on. I don't mind it. My gut my gut's doing fine as long as I have good lasagna and some great meatballs and stuff nice. like that. Nice. You know? You're making me hungry. There's a restaurant in Vegas. Uh it's on the strip but way far down on Las Vegas Boulevard. It's called The Bootlegger. Yes. Dennis Bono and Lorraine Hunt. Do you know those people? I know and do you know place. that restaurant? I don't know them. That is, I'm telling you, that's some decent and good, actually not decent, delicious Italian food. We'll have well, to meet I them. am going to have to check it out because it's hard to yes. find here. You know, we're all, know. we're all brought up on how how grandmother made the sauce. And of that's course. the taste that we get that we get accustomed to. So if we go to someplace else, because there's a a lot of different varieties of how it's done. Everybody has a grandmother that did it a certain way. And whatever taste you got accustomed to, if the place you go is close to that, you like it. Sure. If it's not, it's like, yeah, it's okay. But because it's what you got raised on by grandma. Because grandma it's did funny. It the best. My grandma gave me taught me everything about cooking and baking. And you're absolutely right. When something tastes like something she made, that to me is just uh, you hold yep. on to it, right? Absolutely. So, Doctor D, um, I also want to mention Doctor Del Del Rosso has a fabulous podcast called Derms and Conditions, which I must tell you, I love that. is the <laughs> best name for a podcast of any podcast in the history of podcasting. That is, I don't know who came up with that name, but it is fantastic. And I love it. And you interview other dermatologists, you talk within your group of dermatologists, all kinds of issues come up. It's such a great podcast. So definitely check but that we have, out, guys. We have a couple of, of things we hold on to as far as what's acceptable to us. We don't script it. Right. Um, even if it's sponsored, you know, we know what the topic is, but we have a, dis- a real world discussion. Right. And really have a discussion from myself and a dermatologist about the issues that we think are important. And it can be not only on treatments, it could be a variety of other things. Right. Right. How to talk to patients. But it's it, it's got to be true discussion. It can't be somebody saying, oh, read the script. Don't do this. There may be things they don't want you to include for whatever reason because they don't have approval of a drug or whatever, we'll respect that. Sure. But we have an open discussion. If that if they want to send a script, then we don't do it. Right. Do Can it. I ask a really, like, this may be a question just to set the tone here, Dr. D, but have you ever walked into your office and you see somebody sitting there who has a condition that's so bad 
you don't want to look at it or have to walk oh. out of the room? Does anything stun you? Well, there are things that you're like, wow. But nothing, <laughs> nothing not, like you just, it's like the worst case that I've ever seen before or something, but nothing that makes me like, oh my God, I can't look at that. You know, I have trouble with, with certain smells, right? But- certain, <laughs> certain like you open up a cyst and it's oh, foul smelling oh, and stuff like oh, that, mm. but it doesn't make me not want to take care of the patient. Probably one of the strangest things I saw was as a resident. You know, I, I trained, I was at this one office, I had a great trainer. They, he eventually moved out to Torrance, California. He's retired now, Dave Horowitz. He was an unbelievable clinical dermatologist. I learned so much from him. He was just a very, very likable guy too. And so there was a patient that came in and the waiting room was kind of small and it was always crowded. And so I went in the room and it was a, it was an older guy, probably in his mid to late sixties. And I'm saying that realizing that's what I am. So, you know, I'm, I guess I'm an older guy now, but he was sitting there. He wasn't very communicative. Um, and there happened to be somebody with him, but I didn't realize it. That was an escort that drove him over from this home where he, where he lived. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking at him and he had all this like Brown little particulate things all over. And you could, couldn't really tell what they were. I looked at them close and they're moving. Oh! And he had lice, oh. but he, oh. he, he must've been having it for so long and in a place where he could, he didn't communicate much. He didn't say much. And nobody really looked at it close enough to realize he must've had lice that was going on for so long that he didn't tell anybody about. He was oh, totally oh infested God. with lice. Oh my and that was probably one of the things that was really the most dramatic because there wasn't anywhere that you could look in his scalp, anywhere he had hair, chest hair, any place else you could imagine oh. because they latch on to the hairs, right? I'd have to go home and take 10 showers right. after that. Right. Like I yeah, would but, be, I'd and be the freaked. shower's not going to be enough. I mean, we got him no. treated, but I was thinking about it. So I was thinking, Poor guy. I didn't oh. hear any screams from the waiting room. So there was nobody that was sitting next to him that <laughs> was actually. Jen, you started and, all of this. Right? I wanted right? to you talk about anti-aging well, and Jen's like, what's the grossest thing you've ever seen? You know, when I was, when I was a young girl before the radio, but well, I mean, my, look, I'm a radio brat. So I love this job. I love podcast. I love all of this, but uh, there was a moment when I played with the idea of being a PA, being a physician's assistant, because I love medical stuff and I, I love that field. And I started going through some classes with my friend who was going through nursing school. So I did, you know, some of the the prerequisite classes, and I loved it. But then I started thinking like, gosh, could I really handle some of the worst case scenarios? And I don't know, you're a girl, you go to the gynecologist, you're like, I wonder if this guy's like ever had a day where he just wishes he had gone into cardiology, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, ever let so me tell bad? you, probably the, the, another case that I saw that I really was so happy to help this young woman happened to be in the vaginal area. And she had a disease that had gotten so bad. It's called hydrotonitis. So you get these abscesses and inflammation. Oh. It had gotten so bad that everything was swollen. You couldn't see, oh touch, or move any or anything because it was so swollen and inflamed and she just was not getting adequately treated. And I had a, you know, she was extremely nice. She was extremely reliable. She had just gotten married, could never have 
what you would typically think would be the first night, right, on your honeymoon. Nowhere near anything like that because she was in so much pain. And uh, her husband was a great guy. I I, I met him. And so I worked her through all this treatment and got her some treatments that were not necessarily approved, but we knew could help her. I communicated with a dermatologist I knew in Hershey, Pennsylvania, Jocelyn Kirby, who happens to be very well-versed with that disease. I had seen it, but not as many as her or, or as severe. And I, the woman was fine with me sending a picture, you know, uh, you know, and sending Jocelyn a picture. It said, that's easily one of the worst cases I've ever seen. Wow. And we walked through it and we got her dramatically better. Oh, good. And wow. it, it, I mean, it changed her life. Sure. Like, Can you I, imagine? Significantly changed, but the pain, she said the pain was, a, and that was, it was so dramatic. It was so much wow. worse than any case. Structurally, you couldn't make what, out what anything was because everything was so swollen. Wow. Right. And that, that, that makes a big difference when, when you have those kind of cases, you, you really well, want to be able make to change someone's people, life, which right? is what you did, right. you know, to be right. able to and, do and, that is incredible. You know, I mean, you know, guys come in and they have just a tiny little red scale on their scrotum or on their penis. You think the end, it, the world is coming by and you look at it, you could hardly see what they're, <laughs> you could, you could, I shouldn't say that you should, could hardly see their genitalia. Yes, you could see their genitalia. You can hardly see what they're coming in about. It's a big deal to them because it's on that part of their body. It's just very yeah. frightening. She was very well composed, but was obviously very much affected by it sure. and took us about a year and a half to working through all kinds of wow, things thing. and it changed it changed her life you know it's, it's it was, it, you're bringing up a good point because i you but know if when i, I would have if i i'm sorry to in, no, no i'm not sorry to interrupt because you're interviewing <laughs> me you know sorry to interrupt right but if when she would have disrobed or whatever, and I looked at it, I would have had a face of shock because it was shocking, even right. with all the other cases I've seen in my career. But I'm certainly not going to like I had a medical student one time that a patient said they had a certain disease and the medical student goes, wow, cool. And I'm like, you don't say oh. that in front of a patient. But they were thinking, oh, I just studied yeah. I just studied right. about this cool. I sure. get to see it. Yeah. It's not cool for that patient. Sure. Right? Yeah. Like during it's surgery. It's so important to remember that right. too. It when is. you're a doctor, right. to remember it's not easy and it's not just a case in the book. Right. It's real life. Yeah. It's people. a real life. But I understood yeah. it, but I said, you don't do that. Yeah. Just like during a surgery, if the patient's awake, and if you just happen to cut the sutures a little bit longer than you're supposed to as a student or an intern, it doesn't hurt anybody. You can adjust it. But if you say, oops, that doesn't sound very good to that patient. No. Right? During a surgery, oh, oh, I've never seen that before. You know, you just don't say things like <laughs> no. that. No. You know, or where did my sponge go? Like, yeah, that's not exactly. a good one either. Exactly. No. <laughs> no. Wait, but wait, it is a good reminder. It is, yeah. a good, it yeah. is a good reminder that dermatology <laughs> is so much more than the face and anti-aging yeah, sure. and fillers and Botox and all these other things. I mean, these are, these are real life, very complicated cases. And I, I always say, I'm fair skinned, as you can see, Dr. D, Jen and I both have uh, a lot of Irish in us. So we've got the, the Irish fair skin and, you know, 
when you do a skin check for skin cancer, it's you've got to get into the scalp. You've got to get into every crevice. Everything matters. You know, you have to you look can't at just look all, at. Yeah, everything. You have, just you can't just be looking at the exposed areas. Right, right. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be looking, especially melanomas, which can yes. be very serious, are often in areas that have not been sun exposed. But any type of skin condition can. And if you don't look, you're not going to see it. So you're exactly right. And if you I also I, I had a skin check with a a dermatologist not that long ago and he wasn't the most thorough and I actually kind of started pointing stuff out you know I was like no I want you to look at this and then check this and so you have to kind of really be your own health advocate in you know whether it's dermatology and you know if you like that particular person and you realize that maybe it's just not the day that they would have the time to do it you could say to them look I can see you're pressured for time can we schedule a time when you that's can great. step back and be yeah. more thorough because I really do want a thorough skin exam of course absolutely right? Um, so, or you can decide to go to somebody else. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of derms and conditions, which again, I just am obsessed with the name of your podcast. Um, one of the conditions that Jen and I have talked about is, and again, going back to the fair Irish skin, we have a lot of redness. And I have a lot of redness. Like Victoria has this beautiful skin she's showing you. I really feel like I have to put makeup on every well, day. Well, I do have makeup on. Because, <laughs> oh, you yeah. do? See, you look so oh, good. Okay. So uh, it looks natural. But like, I mean, you get that. Uh, my redness in my cheeks, and I've had this since I was a kid, where anytime, cold, heat, anything, you're seeing it in my cheeks. And I know I get self-conscious about it. So I constantly am covering it up. Uh, people, when they see me go, oh, it's beautiful skin. But to me, it feels like it's too red or pink. What's going on? Well, it, it well, some of it is constitutional to people with certain skin types, people with fair skin. Some of them will have a certain amount of constitutional redness. You, If you go to Ireland, which I've been, and, and Ireland's a great place, and people in Ireland are really about enjoying themselves and having a good mm-hmm. time, most of them that I met. Um, and people will equate it with, oh, you're flushing, so you're drinking a lot of alcohol. You know, that, that's not that's not necessarily not necessarily the case, though alcohol can cause flushing. It can cause that. It's not that. It's not, the, oh, that person drinks a lot. That's why their skin is red. It could be constitutional, but also sun exposure. And you hear this ad nauseum from dermatologists, protect yourself from the sun. And that's not only using a sunscreen, but trying to, or sunblock, trying to, you know, photo protect as much as you can over time. One of the changes that's going to happen is dilation of blood vessels in the skin that become larger. So you almost get more of a rouge component to that, Mm -hmm. but you'll also see those lines, right? Mm -hmm, Those little red lines that become more prominent. And once that happens and they become fixed, they're there. Now, if it's fluctuating, right? If, you know, temperature can cause in and of itself, you know, when your body is trying to, um, conserve heat, right? The blood vessels and the skin are going to constrict because you're trying to conserve heat and get more blood flow so that your core body temperature, you're trying, basically all these things happen to maintain your, your, your body in the, in the healthy way it's supposed to be. But there are situations where your body's trying to lose heat. You're overheating. So the blood vessels in the skin dilate because they're trying to cast that warm blood, the heat from that out into the environment. So some of that is natural fluctuation, but there are conditions where you can just have fluctuations for reasons that you don't completely understand, like a condition like rosacea, which some people with rosacea will get, quote, pimples, they'll get 
red bumps and pus bumps mm-hmm. that will come up. But, you know, fundamental to that is that over time, they develop these vasodilation, these flushing episodes that periodically happen if they're, you know, maybe drinking wine or they're going out, you know, they're they're exercising or they're going out in, into a hot environment or whatever, or even spicy foods for some people, they'll have triggers that'll cause them to get more red. And that happens repeatedly over time. And as that happens repeatedly over time, more blood vessels form superficially in the skin and some of them get bigger. So your cheeks so start worse. getting redder yeah. and redder. Or my, I'm hearing my English teacher from high school, Mrs. Orban. Is it more <laughs> red or is it redder? I don't redder. know. Redder. But I was an English un- major. Redder? I'm, st- I'm okay, a English that, major. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> redder. And then we'll put the non obligatory comma after and then say that, you know, it gets redder. But over time, that becomes more fixed. So the baseline state of your cheeks is more red. So when it first starts, let's say you're 20, 22, usually you start 25, you know, you'll get, you'll flush like that. And then it goes down, it looks normal. But now you're 35 and you go, I'm more red. Because over time, Mm -hmm. that condition has increased the blood vessels in the skin. You can't get rid of that. Well, most of the fix for that is going to be either some type of device light treatment or mm-hmm. laser treatment that has to be done by a skilled person and get it under control and then do that periodically. There is topical medication that can constrict the those vessels, but you have to put it, it it's only going to last like six to eight hours. Right. Interesting. right. So if I was single and I was going to be going out on a date, with JLo in about four <laughs> hours or five hours or someone, Glenn Stefani or somebody like that. Um, or of course my beautiful wife before we got married, Her you, know, too. you know, get, <laughs> you know, get, get prepared for that. Cause that's important. I might put it on to, because I want my face to be less red, but that's not really the way it's designed. It's designed to put it on all the time to keep that redness out, but that needs to be repeatedly applied. Right. And so there are some treatments, but redness, it's hard to cover redness up cosmetically. Yeah. Yep. Right. It is. The cosmetics that have the green tint and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's very, very hard without putting on a thick layer. Yeah. Of, yeah it doesn't. Look that you good. have to chisel off at night. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I find that because I've asked a lot of dermatologists because I have a lot of redness too, but it's all over. It's not rosacea. It's just, I get it from my mom who doesn't it's, it's drink at all. It's your constitutional redness. Right. 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 And mm-hmm. rosacea is not necessarily alcohol it's just that alcohol can cause can flushing and people equate yeah. it with that right, yeah, right. but i've it been told that, that laser treatments are pretty much the only thing that can really make a serious yeah, impact. and certain and certain ones and and done properly yeah can reduce it but you also have to be careful because you know that's you a certain amount of pink is normal you don't want to go mm-hmm. goth right. where you look like a white tablecloth. No, you don't want to look <laughs> dead. You definitely yeah, you don't, don't want to look dead. Yeah. You know, yeah. you need some blood flow, some circulation. Yeah, yeah, it's a certain amount is normal, but it, it's it's a hard thing to cover up with makeup. And a lot of the the cosmeceuticals and the products that are directed against redness, you know, there are many things they're helpful for. You know, uh, antioxidant effect to help with 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 
sun protection and anti-aging and maybe even reducing skin cancer in addition to just general sun protection. And that's true of anybody, not just lighter skin individuals, dark skin individuals also need that protection. Absolutely. Right? They, yeah. They certainly, everybody does. Um, but they, uh, redness is the one area where they're not quite as, as good as the, the, the cosmeceuticals that you buy without a prescription, hmm. right? It's harder to control redness. When it comes to sun protection, you know, I have to know, like I have various doctors, you know, my general doc, my general practitioner, I've had other doctors that have come through and they say that you need, that if your vitamin D levels are low and a lot of Americans suffer with low vitamin D levels, that you should give yourself 10 or 15 minutes in the sun without SPF for sun protection. Do you find that to be true, Dr. D, or do we always need to have sun protection on no matter what? I think that nobody knows where the, the well no well and and I also don't know that we know exactly how to figure out when people are vitamin D deficient you know but I I certainly think that may be the case but the data that I'm aware of and some very good scientific data is even with sun protection if you're outdoors you will get some vitamin D production from the sun but nobody can tell you how long is okay and how long to repeatedly do it. Because everyone's so different too. I, I How, seriously yeah. doubt that everybody's programming their their smartwatch or whatever to tell them, oh my God, I just was out 15 minutes. I need to run in the house right now. Right. You're talking sure. to your neighbor, you're doing something, you're getting 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah. So the easiest way to do it is to do what I do. I take a thousand uh, international units of vitamin D a day and I and I don't have to be concerned about it. Right. And and so it's it's a very easy fix so that you don't have to uh, play roulette versus how much sun should I be getting? Because right. the sun, sun damage, photo damage from the sun or ultraviolet light and other bands of light is what contributes to greater increase of skin cancer development, but also changes within the skin that people are not going to like what it looks like later. Mm -hmm. And that's going to vary from person to person. What should we be looking at when we're looking for signs of, of skin cancer, for giving ourselves a check and we're looking? I know if a new dot comes up, a new spot, but is there something that we should be looking for that might indicate uh, a deeper dive into whether or not it's, it's a skin cancer? Well, if, if you have an area on the skin that tends to open up and bleed a little bit easily, not something you're picking at, you know, where you're obviously causing that, but you'll, you'll notice an area and then it heals up and it comes back again. You know, that may be a sign that in that particular area, you're, you're having a change that might be an early sign of, of a skin cancer. That's a possibility. Um, any new growth that seems to be changing and it doesn't have to be an overnight change, certainly a quick development of something you want it looked at because there are some serious conditions that can happen quickly. But you basically have to, first of all, become familiar with your skin. And, and so you, you, you have to, you have to know, you know, to, you know, be, be familiar with yourself or glance at yourself or have somebody that cares enough to do it because it's, it, it's interesting how unaware people are. Sure. They'll, they'll tell you, so how long is there? They, they have no idea. You know, they, yeah. they're really not aware. Right. There was an interesting uh, study done some years back and I don't remember exactly what year it was, but it was patients that came in that had ab abnormal moles where 
they found out that they were severely abnormal under the microscope when they were removed, or they were already cancerous. They were, and, and they were found on self-examination or by someone, a significant other, a, you know, mm-hmm. a wife, a husband, boyfriend, what, that's seeing you thoroughly enough and and naked enough that they're familiar with parts of your body, not just the face or area that anybody can see. And it was interesting that in no case did a male point out a spot on a female, a woman, that drove her to go in. Now, this was years ago. I think awareness might be different now. Um, And, you know, is that because they're not really paying attention and they're half, you know, watching the football game or whatever, you know, the typical stereotype stereotype of the male. All the cases that were found were a woman noticing it on a man, right? And I'm not when surprised. I think back, well, I'm not <laughs> surprised, know. but you, you think back to magazines, you know, there's lots of magazines out there. Health is driven by teaching women, right? Absolutely. There's and, you know, mm-hmm. it may be a beauty magazine or, you know, how to make yourself look sexier or how to prevent aging. But there's a lot of health articles in those women's magazines. Mm-hmm. Field and Stream or Riflemen or, <laughs> you know, Car Magazine. Force and Hound, right? you know, right? name them all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have a lot of articles in there about men's health. It's true. But it has improved. It's improved dramatically. That's good. More men are being educated. But for a long time. Most of the patients that come in that or somebody else suggests they come in, I'd have to say easily 90% of them are men saying that my girlfriend or my wife said I needed to be. Something looks, in, you know, fishy. In fact, yeah. sometimes they circle the spots on them. That's good. That's marker, a good plan. Right? Actually, you know, have, them, have them look at this Smart. one, have them look at that one. But, you know, it, it's getting better. And I think it's really important. I think more and more men are becoming more health aware. And then there are men's health magazines and, and, you know, better diets and, you know, people are paying a lot more attention, but it's taken longer. Yeah. Right? Women drive healthcare in the United States. For sure. For sure. They really do. Absolutely. They really do. And Jen, you had an interesting question for Dr. D about, um, and this every once in a while happens to me, we get, mm-hmm. I, I would assume it's a hormonal pimple or pimples that we get or that coincide with menstruation. And it, they always seem to pop up in the same exact place. Is there, yeah. what is the reason for that? And I, like I, I always get one right on my chin. It's the same spot. Always. It's right on my chin. I get one zit every month. It's always during, <laughs> it's always during that certain time. And it's in the same spot. We all have an Achilles heel. Some people, they get stomach upset. Some people, they get a headache. You get that zit. And just one. You know, <laughs> I, I, I've never menstruated that I'm aware of, you know, it's in, good to in know. a previous life or whatever. <laughs> but I would imagine that it's not really the most fun or comfortable thing in the world. There's a lot of hormonal fluctuation and perimenstrual flares, uh, you know, around periods of before. And women that have their 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 period, you know, they menstruate pretty much the same time each month. Know it's coming. They could feel it coming. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. they could they could you feel, feel it, it underneath, like at a much you, lower it, it, level of the skin, and then it eventually it's like Mount Vesuvius <laughs> is erupting. You know? Right, it's, it's not a little tiny pimple. It's it's like a boil. It, a lot of times they're tender, right, and they come up, and they and they they last a period of time. But why they're in the same place, I don't know that we exactly know. Now it's hard to control that with just utilizing intermittent treatments. There are some things that 
that people do. I had a friend um, it was very instrumental in helping me get into dermatology that that's still in practice. A guy by the name of Eugene Conti. We went to, to, uh, you know, college together. He was a bio major. I was a pharmacy major at St. John's in Queens, New York. And, um, he, he did something that he said, you know, a lot of people are just, they're going to say, this is heresy. But for those women, I give them about five days of a little bit of oral prednisone, right? Oh, steroid. And it blocks it. And they only yeah. do that, was, I think it was like five days a month. He said, I know I'm going to be criticized. Oh, my God, you're giving them court. But, it, but it don't you get an injection? People. Like if it gets bad enough, don't, isn't that If what, you get right? a deep enough ac- acne lesion that is deep enough and inflamed For an injection, enough, it's the right? same medicine, right? isn't it? You can get an intralesional injection, but that doesn't even only have to be perimenstrual. Those are people sure. that occasionally get their um, their their in, in, intralesional injection, mm-hmm. but some of them are not big enough to do that. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems with the intralesional injection, it could overcorrect and you can get an area that's overcorrected and divoted a little bit. Oh, But, you okay. know, so it has to be a, a deep enough and thick enough lesion to inject. Some people will give them, you know, topical to start putting on, but, um, even pyridoxine, vitamin B6, people have published inconsistent, huh. right? Um, whether it works or not. But m- in my view, it's not going to hurt you, right? So, you know, give it a try. Maybe it works in your case, right? What about as far as products and advancements? Like if you're just looking through your particular specialty in dermatology, is there a product or an advancement where you're like, Oh yeah, now we're really doing it right. Is there something that kind of is your go-to or something that you feel like might have revolutionized dermatology? Well, dermatology is being revolutionized for certain disease states where we didn't have a lot of treatments that really worked well. So you'd almost feel bad going in the room because yes, you wanted to help people. You were supportive. You did what you could, but you had limited options knowing that many of these things don't work very well or ones that may work better have a lot of potential toxicities. So you have to monitor side effects and get blood tests. We have major revolutions, advancements that have really been, I'm not a buzzword person, but they are game changers, right? Yeah. You know, like every everybody's like, oh, that's amazing. Everything's so amazing that nothing's amazing anymore. We keep hearing <laughs> that same term. What, don't tell me I'm amazing because then I'm like everybody else because everybody's yeah. saying, oh, you're amazing. Well, that's amazing. What's, but what, before they, these, we started, like calling these, everybody a legend, right? right? You exactly. have to save the words for what right. they really to be to. to be a musician that's a legend, you had to be around for seven or eight years and had at least 10, 12 contributions on a consistent basis, not just yeah. one big hit. But anyway... Um, that's that's the Jim Del Rosso view, which means it's right, but not everybody <laughs> necessarily agrees with it. But what were we, what were we talking about? Advancements. What's something that has really excited you personally? Well, I'm excited by all of these things because now when pe- people come in with diffuse psoriasis, they come in with atopic dermatitis, eczema, itchy rashes that have been having repeatedly. They come in with alopecia areata where they've lost a lot of hair because it's autoimmune, right? Even vitiligo where they have the white spots on their skin, right? Uh, Hydratinitis, which I explained was that woman that came in that could be under the arms and the groin area on the breast and other areas with these recurrent abscesses or boils 
and then they lead to scarring and and create chronic problems over time. We have made so many advances, some of them with injectable biologics, which we've gotten some that are very, very effective and overall very, very safe, though you always have to know what things to look for. Even some oral treatments that we have now uh, called Janus kinase inhibitors, which can carry some baggage depending on which ones they are in terms of monitoring. But the things we had before had as much, if not worse, in terms of treatment with less data to support them. So we are changing people's lives. For example, psoriasis, they're covered 70, 80% of their body. And we're turning people around within a matter of a few months. Sometimes it takes longer to have almost nothing and can sustain it. Isn't that incredible when you see those cases? But, but you know, people get concerned. Oh, I'm injecting something. How's it affecting my immune system? Well, your immune system is dysregulated, which is why you have the disease. If Mm, it was in balance, you wouldn't. So you're trying to target where it's dysregulated as best as you can. You're not coming in with something that's in balance. If it was in balance, you wouldn't have the condition. Right, Right, right. So you have, people have to work with that. And you go to a good clinician, they'll, they'll help you walk through it and help you make the best decision, right? But the, you see people now and you feel good about it, where before is like, you know, I, I wish I had more to help them, but I really don't, right? Mm-hmm. Alopecia areata, where people lose a lot of hair, you so know, sad. and um, we can turn a lot of those people around to get excellent amount of hair regrowth. That's that's incredible, right? And that's yeah. and a lot of I I credit a lot of celebrities. Jada Pinkett Smith, of course, has been very vocal about her recent development of alopecia. I'm not exactly sure which type of alopecia she alopecia has. Alopecia areata is the one that we're talking, which is a specific immunologic based um, yeah. one. It's right? so and and you know Kim Kardashian has apparently has psoriasis all over her entire body, which you would never know because she's always naked, yeah. but she has I, talked I'm often. Not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. I did see a picture of her having psoriasis on her leg, but I will, I will give a, a call out. I'll give a call out um, to Mattel, the Mattel, you know, has Barbie dolls. Yeah. They oh have, yeah, they did they, that. They have recently put out two Barbie dolls, right? I'm holding them here because a friend of mine told me about them and sent them to me as gifts. I'm holding the one that's vitiligo Barbie. And it happens to be a black woman. Now, anybody can get vitiligo, but the contrast. That's the one where you have the white patches, the, right? The right. White. So, the, okay. The so contrast Winnie in Harlow, darker skin. Yeah. Yeah. That, right. She's an example she's of a, that. Yeah. that mm-hmm. But not everybody's a Winnie Harlow that, you know, with that comfort level with it. That sure. she, I'm sure what she went through, but she. She's used it in a very positive way yes. to help. But this doll, you're looking at it, and it happens to be a black woman to show the contrast. And they're selling it, right? And yeah. so if you have this, especially if you're like a younger person, a little girl, mm-hmm. um, you know, Makes it's like, well, you know, this is, I'm not as odd or as outcast as you think. There are other mm-hmm. people that have it. The alopecia areata one they have the woman is totally bald right it, she's totally bald and the, i'm told that from a friend of mine natasha mezenkowska who's a great dermatologist in orange county that does a lot with treatment 
with some of these newer treatments and does a lot of alopecia areata research and treatment. She told me that the National Alopecia Areata Foundation, that is a patient organization that they could join, the patients can sign up and join, that I guess certain age group and and I don't know if they send the, the doll to boys. I, I really don't know. But they do send them to, to children. That's wonderful. Free That's when wonderful. they yeah. sign up to be a part of that organization. So you're sort of getting it, thinking, you know, maybe I'm not, you know, as outcast. Maybe, you know. Makes you I'm, feel more it's Absolutely. Within, it's yeah. within a range of what happens to enough people. It makes people feel good. Because, you know, a lot of these diseases, the data on vitiligo and you know, we don't always have time when patients come in the office to drill down on every way that it affects them, how they interact with themselves or their family, or even some of the social issues or cultural issues with certain cultures. If somebody has it, they're dealing with a lot of psychosocial issues that we don't even necessarily get a chance to touch upon until we do a study and we get that information, right? In a normal doctor's office visit, you can't go through A to Z where there's not time to go through A to Z of how that redness affects you when you don't want to go to work that day. It's flared up right. and you don't want to go to the office, right? Or or you go, you know, how you think someone's perceiving you that you're hoping ask you out or, or getting a job. I mean, all these things go through people's heads, right? Yeah. But they don't necessarily tell us all of that, right? So it's nice if we could make people feel better about themselves, Mm-hmm. Um, even though they have something that's affecting their skin, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, Doctor D, I have a I have a question. We'll change change gears for one second. I have a it's a potentially controversial. Well, Jennifer, seconds over, isn't it? I think it's seconds over. Sec- you can write that over. down. Okay. <laughs> there's mine. Mark it. Uh, there's my mistake. Uh, so here's a potentially controversial question, and I say controversial in the sense that many, many different opinions from dermatologists to scientists, researchers, and the beauty industry, right? And the topic is parabens. What are, and I've heard every different opinion on this. Parabens are great. Parabens are awful. Parabens cause cancer. Parabens don't cause cancer. Where, what, where do you stand on parabens in, which are in a lot of cosmetics and skincare, whether it's serums or moisturizers or even, you know, beauty products for, it's a preservative. So where do you, what's your take on, should we be all against parabens or somewhere in the middle? What I have read and my experience with products that contain parabens has been that parabens, it's, it's uncommon for them to create skin allergy. They can, right? And um, a lot of things become recycled dogma. It appears someplace in an article or a textbook, and the next edition, it just gets keep, keeps getting recycled forward. And then you try to go back and find that original reface, and you go, oh, that's what this was based on? Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of evidence here. It's like the, the, the game case of telephone. Parabens, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. But but it's it's whether there was even not even the game of telephone, the original reference was weak, mm-hmm. but it got carried right. off, off because a lot of medicine was practiced based on 
a group of leading dermatologists saying things at the podium, and that became the reference. Mm. Now we have a lot, we want a lot more data, a lot more studies, and there are studies. You have to make sure they're good studies. Not everything in print is necessarily of high quality, sure. right? But, you know, with parabens, we have enough experience and enough use to know that most people will use parabens and they're not going to have any problem with them on their skin. As far as their internal toxicity, I think that the the information that we have based on exposure that people get from topical products, I don't think creates a problem. Okay. I do think in certain laboratory testing, right, there's many things that if you, you know, Ingest give high amounts to a whatever. laboratory rat right. could, create a pro- could create a problem. Many right. things that, that, you know, but my, I, I, parabens are not one in my mind yeah. that is hit a level that I'm really con- concerned about paraben. People would ask about it. If they would prefer something that's paraben free, then we try to find them a product that is paraben free. But I, 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 I don't have that concern about parabens. And I don't think in our common use that we can relate it to forming any kind of cancer. But in reality, mm-hmm. how do we know that many of the things we do are, are, are a problem or not? We, right. we don't. But I think that these groups that put these labels go too far the other way. So parabens are not one that I'm particularly concerned about. That's my opinion. I'm happy you said that because the reason we ask is our listeners, you know, what Jen and I do uh, on Beauty Pop, we are, we review products. We love to, we're beauty junkies. We love buying skincare lines. We love all of it. And there is such a movement right now marketed towards women that's clean beauty. And it's like, it's such a buzzword that has no real meaning or depth to it. It means nothing. It, it might use, use something that's natural. Arsenic's natural. Poison ivy exactly, is natural. Exactly. Foxglove is natural. Not, not right? Great. So, I, <laughs> I mean, there's these buzz phrases. I think that's marketing to sell products. Yeah, absolutely. That's personal. Right. A lot, a lot of, a lot of the companies that promote over-the-counter products can say a lot of things without backing them up mm-hmm. and come up with marketing buzz phrases, right? Right. That people run to, mm-hmm. right? And and that there's not a lot of substance. That being said, I'm not saying that things that they're including and things that they're doing aren't positive, but I really don't know what clean beauty means. No one does. Right? That's why people fall for it. <laughs> you follow the crowd, you're probably making the wrong decisions. It's true. There's a lot of very intelligent people that said that. You know, sort of, sort of think for yourself, right? Don't be a lemming. But I'm not, I'm not knocking companies that have, there are some that have, I could think of some companies that really select products a certain way and have some very good products. Share some brand names if you want. We name check. You know, know, if there's there's anything uh, you like. There's a, there's there's a variety of, of, of good products, but you know, it doesn't mean that, oh, they're saying that clean beauty, that they don't have good products, but I just think. I think that a lot of companies are more concerned about marketing to make a buck. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. That drives a lot of the decision making mm-hmm. as opposed to let's make sure that we've scientifically proved all of this and then we'll talk about it. So I, I'm, I get really concerned about buzz phrases. You know, I really do. And especially as women, it's all aimed at us constantly. And it's t- yeah. it's tough without a medical degree. if they can get degree. you to get a small bottle and spe- send, spend $150 on right. it for an eighth of an ounce, they're going to do it. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Some people, some people. 
I could get criticized, but 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 that definitely exists. There's this overstatement of a lot of things. Dr. Del Rosso, we thank you so much. I mean, this has been so fantastic. I hope you'll come back maybe and do this again with us if we can. Uh, I know that there are going to be a lot of questions from uh, the folks that listen, some of the ladies that we listen to this podcast. We don't have any men We'll have more questions. You're going to be so, listening. So you're just, you're just, you're just we a, snatched a, you. You know, quickly kicking my butt off when we were just getting started. But, you know, no, I, I, we want you to come back for sure. And we so appreciate you. You. By the way, if you want to send a question in, we'll have Dr. D back again. You can do it. Just send us a, an Instagram message. You can find us Beauty Pop Pod on Air Victoria, Jennifer Horn Radio, and let us know if you have any questions at all. I think Dr. D, I think we can twist his arm and have him come back. Uh, I'd, I'd be happy to happy to come back and and talk to you later. I think we, I think Jen, Jen and I are always threatening to go to Vegas to have a girls' weekend. I think we just need to do Vegas and have Dr. I'm D. I'm four hang hours out with away, us. baby. Let's go right now. <laughs> We're going to go to the bootlegger for Italian food. I like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have, have you heard of, you're not talking about brand name plugs, but you have, have you heard of JSX Airlines? Oh, is that the private plane? That's the private plane, but it's, I not, haven't tried it's it. not chartering. I did it for the first time. Somebody recommended it. You, yeah. you book it like you would a commercial airline, but it's at the private airport. So there's none of the I'll TSA <laughs> you go through. The, awesome. the trip that I took, Right to happen to be to Burbank was yeah, maybe seventy five dollars more than what it would have been with if I looked up at the commercial airlines for that particular. That's fantastic. Day. And you just walk right on, and you don't go through all the TSA and all the hassle. Let's you know, book it. I don't know what it's. I I really loved it, so I'm always going to check them first. And they they don't go everywhere, but they go like Orange County, San Francisco, I think Oakland, yeah. maybe. Uh, Phoenix, L.A., Burbank, Burbank. I like flying into Burbank more than LAX. Me no offense, too. But- That's my home airport because it, not only is it quicker and easier, it's a lot closer to home for me too. But it's the it's the that's a travel tip for you. No, from just us just here look up, look up, J, <laughs> look up JSX. I have no conflict with them. I don't have any financial relationship with them other than if I can avoid TSA and all the crowds and all the hassles at Absolutely. the airport. I will do it. Sign me up. Keep my shoes on, please. (laughs) Dr. Jim Del Rosso, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you all for listening as well. Again, give us a like if you can on Beauty Pop Pod. Send us your questions there on Air Victoria Jennifer Horn Radio. And please, if you have a moment, give us a review. Tell us that you like the podcast, what you like about it. That really does help with how we are listed. And we can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening. And and if you want to rip Jim Del Rosso apart, you know, I got thick skin. I'm from Brooklyn. (laughs) And don't forget, check out Derms and Conditions, which is a fabulous podcast that Dr. D hosts. So thank you again, Dr. D. It has been such a pleasure having you on Beauty Pop. And uh, thank you guys for listening. And we will talk to you next week.